Today is May 15th, 2020, Friday of the fifth week of Easter, and you are tuned in to Deacons Discussing Doctrine. Wow, that was a hard stop. Boy, we need a little practice on that. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Father Lynn? Good. Oh, can't hear you. Can you hear me? What happened? There we go. There you go. Can you so, hear me? I can hear you. There I, you go. I'm good, too. Let me restart this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the new Cardone Recording Studio and what we hope is a great show. I'm Deacon Tim Stout. I'm Deacon Dallas Kelly. I'm Father Lynn Wynn. And uh, in case you didn't notice... We're in our new digs, and uh, a lot more room in here. Got a little bit going on, but we're working on a shoestring budget, and uh, just as time allows, we come in and do a little bit of work in here. Uh, what do you guys think, Dallas? I like it. I like we, it. We got better internet service too, right? We do, uh, and we hope that uh, people are signing in and can hear us, that we don't have any glitches like we did on, what was that, Tuesday night? I think we had some... Some glitches because I forgot to plug the soundboard in. So, and if we do, please comment so we so we know we're doing something wrong, yeah. or something's going wrong. Yeah, our internet's good. We know it because we're plugged right into fiber optic where we are. So, um, good luck with your own personal internet at home. <laughs> so, um, as I say every week, you know, even if it's brief, we need your feedback. Uh, please, please, please give us questions, suggested topics. Um, we take all that feedback and we kind of put it together and we decide who we're going to ask to be on the show with us, what topics we're going to discuss. Um, and obviously, if you don't give us your feedback, you get what we decide on our, by ourselves. So we don't want that. And obviously, during these unprecedented times, that's caused a lot of disruption in all of our lives, financial, spiritual, recreational <coughs> Our lives have been kind of turned upside down in many ways, and we're all affected by this pandemic. But our mission here at St. Francis and John has never changed, and it's probably even more important today. So if you can, please support our ministry. Deacon's Discussing Doctrine is based at St. Francis and John Catholic Parish, a part of the Catholic Diocese of Lexington. St. Francis and John boast over 650 families and is a growing and thriving part of the Georgetown community. Whether you are already a parishioner, a newcomer, a friend of a friend, or someone just exploring churches in our area, we hope you will find this show enjoying and informative. It is our desire that Deacon's Discussing Doctrine reflects our spirit of community and our love of Christ and neighbor. As is the case with most churches, we survive through the goodwill of our parishioners and friends through donations. If you enjoy tonight's show, please consider giving online at ssfj.org. That's ssfj.org. That link will take you directly to our online giving portal for a one-time donation, as well as weekly or regular tithing. And as always, we thank you for your generosity. All right, so any comments out there so far, Dallas? 
Well, we just have a few, uh, just letting them know. Let, they're all letting us know they are here. And we have one viewer saying, Internet is sketchy, but that might be their Internet. Okay. Well, we'll do And that. another one says it is breaking up. Interesting. <laughs> I guess we could always restart the feed and go low definition. Let's do that. Just two or three more saying sound is breaking up for us. Yeah. All right. We're going to stop this stream and we're going to restart it. So we're going to go lower definition and hopefully that'll fix everything for you. So new link will pop up in just 15 seconds. So stay with us. All right. We're back. Hopefully we just lowered the resolution just a little bit and let's see if that uh, takes care of some of those issues out there that you're all hearing or seeing and uh, make sure you let us know on the comments hopefully everybody's popping back in back in on the the feed and it's always fun doing stuff live don't you all agree <laughs> <laughs> live always glitchy yeah but with the mass we have five viewers right now coming back with the mass, it doesn't matter if we have any glitches, does it? It does not. <laughs> we just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and some of you may not know, but we have glitches every mass. <laughs> yep. Something's not going right. So, all right, let us know if the feed improved it at all for you. We'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that and see <clears throat> if we can do. Anything to improve that. We are getting better internet out here where we're at, uh, hopefully within the next uh, week or two. Um, and so let's just jump into uh, current events while we're, while we're here. I, oh, I think I forgot to say, you know, we, we do have a guest that's coming later on, Rocco Pomo. He'll be joining us if there's not any technical difficulties. In just a few minutes. Um, so let's jump into the current events, maybe give us a little bit of a segue into uh, – Maybe some of the conversation with Rocco or what we'll talk about after we get done with, with Rocco. I guess the big news is really um, reopening up of um, public masses. Anybody? Father. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could just read the documents we've been sent, the, the 32 pages. Uh. Well, quite interesting. You know, past few days, I, I, I spent a lot of time discussing with other pastors from different dioceses throughout the United States and kind of see what is protocol. And then we also talk with pastors in our regions and see what they do with the situation. One of the specifically unique is a dear friend of mine, of course, he's from Ashland, but he served, let me see, four, four states parishioner come to his place from four different states, because where Ashland is located is connected to West Virginia, Virginia, Texas, um, Tennessee, I think Carolina, and it was quite interesting, and he chose not to open Mass up when he got, you know, permission to open up for our diocese the 20th, and he would wait for the 31st, because he said, because everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to hold out for another week and see how people respond. So, 
it's quite interesting to be good right now there is so many equation out there um of course you know we are talking about trying to open the first mass kind of in open softly uh try to see if we can do an outdoor mass and uh, and one of the pastors sent an article to me and say i think you're on the right track because based on this article all masses at this current situation should be outdoor to be safe right uh, so it's uh, so it, it's all over the place but i think it, it, overall i sense a, a sense of excitement you know we all ready to want to receive the eucharist again um I think we are kind of fed up with spiritual communion, and we really want real <laughs> communion. I'm just getting close to learning the the spiritual communion and prayer so, by heart. So <laughs> we can't get rid of it. And that's a lot of great comment out there. And I you think Deacon Tim, ain't you going to preach on the Spirit this weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit for sure. There you go. So that that's what I uh, basically the, the overall I sense the current event right now. Of course, beside everything with the world matter, but for us here, everything is focused upon how to reopen this mass in the kind of pandemic guideline protocol ordeal. So that's what I got. And we've got uh, we, we we've got a big uh, big group put together to yes. kind of really kind of take care of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So uh, more details are coming. I know. Uh, I've seen a bunch of people out here at Card Home looking at that. It's kind of exciting, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's a lot of work, obviously, but it's kind of exciting at the same same time to uh, to really be able to get back to mass and the sacraments. Yeah, so. but one thing I think people need to know: we are in this transition of a new kind of norm, right? Right. The normality is not the same that we left. Two months ago, okay, we we are facing a new normal before we back to normal. <laughs> so that is very important. But okay, the nerve wracking is that when people people go return to mass and say this is not the mass I used to know, okay, right, you know because that that need to be further further anchored into people's mind and heart on that is very important. Well, I know there's a lot of. A lot of anticipation, uh, and also, I guess the press release that came out from the bishop today. I'm, I, I'm assuming you saw that. Uh, Lexington parishes are not opening the right. weekend that we're opening. They're actually opening the weekend after. After. So, do you think that we'll see a surge in folks from Lexington area if the weather's nice? Do you think we could see a surge from Lexington? Do we want to see a surge? I think there will be some type of. Uh allow me to use a renegade <laughs> because people want Eucharist. Okay. I, I think it's a good move for the Fayette region because they have to do indoor mass and they're much, remember most of large parishes is in Lexington. Right. Think about Christ the King. How, how can they manage uh, literally almost four, 3000 parishioners up that many small structure. Right. And it's tough. Mary Queen, even worse, you know, uh, even tougher for them. So in many ways, we kind of bless, you know, even though, you know, have an idea of an outdoor mass, kind of panicking to a lot of us leadership about it. But in some sense, it's a great sense of relief for people have a, a sense of freedom to come without fearing, 
you know, stay within uh, whatever the COVID-19 is, uh, is threatening everybody. You know, I think the number one right now is fear. It's very fearful. And so, you know, I, I stick with my gun, I, I, you know, to have a first mask. I, right now, I'm looking through the window. It's raining outside. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've got several uh, people asking me, a mask is going to be mandatory. Is that correct? No. No, no. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's right now, our bishop is still not put under mandatory restriction, uh, obligation. Even when we start going, even Con even inside. Yes, sir. It's oh. not lift yet. Okay, it's it's still non-obligatory celebration, so people still going don't have to come to mass. No, I'm mask. Oh, mask. the mask. <laughs> oh, the mask. Mask okay, is mandatory. It, yeah, it did yes. sound like mask. Yes, the mask is mandatory. Yes, they have to, to wear, wear a mask, a mask. Uh -huh. even here at Cardone outside. Yeah, off the record. Since we're on the, you know, social, we're on the show, social so make media. Sure yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, I would say recommendation. Highly recommend. Highly recommendation, okay. yes. So, mask. Gotta like that. <laughs> Gotta like mask. Well, you know, you know, a billboard, we say, all mask are welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. I think I saw uh, our guest pop into the, the video chat room. Um, hopefully he can hear us. They can't see you, but if you can hear us, give us a thumbs up, Rocco. Check. Well, we lost him. I'm going to do the intro, intro, so if he so comes, comes back, back, we're just popping back, back, back in. in. But he won't but hear, he won't the, hear intro. the intro. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, see if he pops back in. Yeah. Let's, Let's do this. And it and is porn. I don't, I don't know if it's porn everywhere, everywhere else, else, but it, it is, is actually, actually raining, raining really, really good here. So. There he is. All right. Hello, can you guys hear me? We sure, we sure can. can. Great, right, Rob? I think we think can we hear, can you. hear you. Can you hear, can you hear us? us? All right, I finally can. Uh, yeah, I, had, I thought uh, I had my AirPod in, and apparently that didn't work with, uh, with the platform. So, but, all right, well, well it's it's great. Great. It's great. It's, it's great technology. technology. Isn't it? Let me. Uh, yeah. Let me. So I'm sure there's going to be some glitches before we're done too. So, so let me do your introduction. So today's guest is Mr. Rocco Palmo. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Okay. okay. He's one He's of one global, global Catholicism's, Catholicism's most prominent, prominent chroniclers. chroniclers. He has he held has court, court as the Church, church Whisperer whisper since 2004, which is a long time ago. He started, he started with an with audience, audience of three, of three grown, grown since by nothing but word of mouth, and kept alive throughout solely by the means of reader support. Pomal is former U.S. correspondent for the London-based International Catholic Weekly, The Tablet. He's been, He's a, been church a church analyst, analyst for the New York, York Times, Associated Press, Press, Washington Post, Post Reuters, the LA, LA Times, BBC, NBC, CNN, CNN and NPR, and other, other mainstream print, print and broadcast outlets, outlets worldwide. He's a native, He's a native of Philadelphia, Philadelphia where he attended, he attended the University, University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania where he earned a BA in political science. science. And in 2010, he received a doctorate from the Aquinas Institute of Theology in St. Louis. 
In 2011, Pommel co-chaired co co the first, first Vatican, Vatican Conference on Social, social media, media, convened by the Pontifical Council for, for Culture and Social Communications, communications. and by appointment, by appointment of Archbishop, Archbishop Charles Chaput. He likewise served on the first ever Pastoral Council of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, whose church remains his home. Please join me and all of us in welcoming Rocco, the Church Whisperer. Lord Deacons and Father, how are you guys? Very good. Good. Thank, Thank God. God. <laughs> well, you guys, well, you guys at least have a reopening to prepare for now. Yeah, up here in the Northeast, it's, uh, you know, nowhere else was going to be a while yet. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm just sad. I mean, when you look at New York, you know, I mean, over 250,000 cases Basically, it's true. Has that come, come up already out there, or what kind of stuff has uh, been going on? Well, for us, we, we, we are very blessed because around our area, we have a lot of... Um, Sorry, so Father, I can't hear you. He's... Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, around, around, yeah, around yeah, our, our area, area, we have, we have uh, very, very blessed, blessed with a lot of... Lot of um, what do you call, what do you call it? it? The uh, distillery. Uh, distillery. They actually oh, provide a lot of... Yes. Yes. Park, uh, Kentucky, of course. Let's, 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 let's forget. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we actually, actually has a, a generous donor donation. donation. I can I go ahead and say the name. name uh, Castle Key. Key. Just donate us, us uh, let me see, eight, eight, I think eight, eight gallons, gallons of, of uh, sanitizer. sanitizer. Oh, oh. So, so um, people, people quite, quite generous, generous in, in, in around, around this area, area regarding to, because, because all the distillery right now are focused on making um, hand, hand sanitizer, cleanser, and the hospital, hospital needs, needs and really generous. generous. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, guess what? We've got a lot of hoops to jump through, but so long as our people are safe and, uh, you know, then just just being back with the sacraments again, I'm sure that first Sunday is going to be surreal. Yeah. How, how do you guys do in there in regarding knowing that there's no end time yet? That's yeah, well, it's it's all suspended animation, and, and especially here. Uh, you know, and, and the, once you look at it's the whole story of American Catholicism right now, when you look at the South and the West, when you look at you know Lexington, uh, 
you have you have younger communities, you have young families, you have a much younger spread of population. Our, our issue in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest a lot of the time is that the bulk of our masculine population who remain, I mean, in my own diocese, our latest figures are 17, only 17% of our registered population attend on an average Sunday. And um, now we're, um, but the bulk of that population is elderly. Mm-hmm. You know, from not even 60 on up, 65 on up, and they're in the risk zone. And so, I mean, I've even had to tell my parents who are in their 70s that they're going to have to be very, very careful in terms of, you know, coming back. Because even in terms of the backbone, the organization of the parishes, especially here in the city, Correct. where attendance can sometimes be 10% or less, we don't even have the apparatus of people, of volunteers, of ministers who can do the cleaning of pews and everything between masses. I Correct. mean, there's so, you know, you can have the greatest guidelines in the world, but if you don't have people on the ground to carry them out, it's not going to happen. That's right. And that's, so that's a great fear for us. Uh, you know, our parishes, because our parish structure dates to a time when you would have a parish for every ethnic group. So there would be seven parishes in about a seven or eight minute drive. Mm-hmm. You know, they split up the Italians, the Germans, the Slovaks, the Poles, the Lithuanians, you know, uh, et cetera, you know, all the European immigration. And little by little, we've been closing the. What happened? I lost you. Well, we're back. Yeah. Did, uh, did the connection go down or. Uh... Yeah. Something happened on the laptop, which brings you into the studio. Okay, well, it's uh, it's always something. <laughs> and, and, we're, all learning, we're all learning something new these weeks. If there's somebody who's gotten through all this without learning something, they must be under a rock. Oh, believe me, Rocco, I, I, I just ran a Zoom meeting uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned from beginning to end. It was yeah, fascinating. Well, well, I, ho- I hope nobody took any of their device to the bathroom, or Lord only knows what. I- <laughs> well, he did yeah. have a bunch of second graders he was doing it with last week, so they could have. <laughs> yeah. That one- well, 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 I'll tell you, even the Supreme Court, as we've seen this week, is not immune. Yes. <laughs> the, the flush the flush heard around the world. Yeah, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> was that you told me recently was uh, Cardinal Dolan? Yeah, he was caught on mic. Uh, on microphone? Yeah. yeah. During a mass last week. Do you know about that, Rocco? No, but was he caught he, what? In yeah. the restroom? Yeah, well, during the mass, he was caught on mic saying something that probably shouldn't have been said. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's not the first time that's happened with him. Yeah. Uh, if anything, interesting, speaking of um, when Cardinal Dolan had Pope Francis in at uh, St. Patrick's, I was there that night. This was during the Holy Father's visit five years ago now. Um, at toward the end, it was just a vesper service, so it was relatively short. But the Holy Father grabbed Cardinal Dolan and said, uh, "Where's the uh, washroom? I, I need to, you know, use the facilities." And because, of course, it's papal visit, and anyone who would be who, around the president would know similarly how this happened. The Secret Service closed down the bathrooms in St. Pat's so that nothing could be <laughs> hidden in the bathrooms or a bomb on, in the toilet, whatever. And so he said, had to say, "Holy Father, there are no bathrooms in here. I have to take you behind the cathedral of my house." He said. Are only angels in here? <laughs> here, I, I lost the audio again. I, I uh, you went out. Interesting. Right. You're back. There you go. It's always yeah. something. It's always something. <laughs> but I, anyway, what else is do? What else can I do for you guys? Well, first thing, Rocco, I've been following your lochia for some time now. If there's a since the beginning, why whisper? 
Why? Um, there's actually a story to that, but um, I guess as a way, you know, long story short, I grew up in the church here in my hometown, uh, which is very kind of clandestine place. And I learned early on from when I was a teenager that, you know, before any long before anything would hit the newspapers or be formally announced, it would always kind of trickle out. And so at our main seminary building at the edge of the city, there is this long hallway. It's designed in Italian style, and it's a logy in the finest sense. In 2003, when I was uh, in my going into my last year of college, uh, that's where somebody pulled me aside before an ordination and told me two months before the announcement who my new bishop would be. And that <laughs> just gave me the concept of, you know, this is how in the church news begins. And um, and so it's, it's you know, it's that kind of very evocative uh, thing. And, of course, that's how it happens in Rome, too. But also to just that, you know, it's just in the grand scheme of things, the news is just the little stuff along the way. You know, Logia has no rooms or anything. You're just going from one place to another. And as right. a church, that's what we're called to do. You know, I mean, it's not about, as Pope Francis says, being stuck in the sacristy. You know, a church on the move becomes stagnant and loses its soul. And so this is, but this is the little stuff that keeps us going. And so news is a manifestation of communion if we do it right, if we Correct. do it with responsibility and sense of church. And so I hope that I've done, it's, it's funny, this week has really been like 15 years since I threw myself headlong into doing doing whispers full time, and it's just you know the shutdowns of these weeks and other surreal moments just kind of given me the it's been a, nice, a good time to take stock you know just uh, and thank God for the blessings and also for the challenges which hopefully have made me made me better and made the work better along the way. <laughs> That's great. Personally, I really enjoy your perspective. Uh, Thank you. Really enjoy the very freshness and 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 get to the point and what it's about and and really enjoy every every posting you you place out. We're very exciting. Well, thank you, Father. So let me ask you: Do we will see a next American Pope in our lifetime? Um, an American? Well, I guess after Pope Francis, anything is possible in any conclave. I mean, we're coming up on was it Monday is going to be the hundredth anniversary of mm -hmm. the birth of Saint John Paul II. Back in 1978, who would have, no one would have thought we'd see a pope from behind the Iron Curtain, let yes. alone young as he was, 58 years old. The church has seen all kinds of men in the chair, Peter. I mean, it. I really don't like talking about the next conclave because uh, as much as people always focus on it, um, it's always a product of its time and of its circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, sorry, I'm... Was actually getting a news alert text from a friend of mine that kind of threw me for a loop there. But anyway, um, so, you know, had Pope Benedict not resigned, I doubt Bergoglio and the Cardinals, had they not been shocked by the resignation, I don't think Bergoglio would have been elected Pope. So right. it's always a product of the immediate circumstances in the moment. Uh, but, you know, I think just in general, you know, we as Americans have a sense. The Father, are you Vietnamese? Yes, Okay, well, you guys are the new Irish. You're all our vocations now in the church. You know? Pretty so, much. So thank you for your witness. Uh, it's funny, I was just in Orange County a couple months ago, and, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I mean, the Viet that's the biggest Vietnamese community, as you know, outside of Vietnam. And yes. they're just, oh, spectacular, spectacular. But I, um, 
I think we as Americans sometimes have a sense that we're a bigger force in the church than we actually are. Uh-huh. We, only, we only numbers at 75 million Catholics in this country. We only number about five to six percent of the global church. Right. And so we have the self-import, but we have the self-import, the self-importance that we're more than that for some reason. Half the Catholics in the world live in Latin America. Right. I mean, if there was any place in American Pope should have come from, it was Latin America well before here. And now the, our growth and dynamism are in Africa or in Asia. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, the church in the U.S. is half growing in the South and the West, but it's half dying in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest, which have always been our institutional bulwark. So, mo- you know, the, the historic presences of American Catholicism are no longer um, the, um, you know, they're not an example to the world. Right. The Holy Father should come from a church that is an example to the world and a church that is a missionary church. We can't say that about a lot of the American church. So, um, but again, it's, you know, last time everyone was surprised, and I, especially with the Cardinals Pope Francis's name, because they're so far off the beaten trail, and now they're a majority of the electors, I think we're going to be even more surprised next time than we were this time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've got a good question for you. Okay, yes, sir. You've obviously covered a lot of stuff in your career. Uh, that's where the gray hair comes from, yeah. <laughs> What's actually, left of it? <laughs> it to, in preparing for this uh, discussion, uh, actually, I, I watched a video of you with the Salt and Light interview. Oh, and my God, yeah, that, I had a lot of hair. You had that. a whole lot of hair. <laughs> 2007. I, and I know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> so... So what's the most surprising story? Would it, would it be uh, the resignation? Would that be the... Uh, well, the resignation was the ultimate because... But I, uh, but it's funny, as much as... And, and what a surreal moment, you know, again, church hadn't seen... But the church had seen it before, just 800 years ago. You know, the American continent hadn't even been settled to that time. What was amazing was, um, you know, and, and I could see it coming, and people close to Pope Benedict told me, you know, if he feels that he can't do the job, this is around 2007, 8, 9, 4 or 5, the resignation happened. You know, if he, he's going to resign, he feels like he needs to set this precedent for the church, and he's the kind of, he, he has the personality where he could do it. Uh, and, but it's one thing to talk about it in theory, it's another when I get a banging on my door at 10 after 6 in the morning, screaming, Rock, wake up, the Pope resigned. <laughs> think you are in the craziest dream of your life and i just shot up and there was a whole boatload of circumstances going on in my life at that point and i just said you know what kind of me-? i just looked up and said what kind of message are you sending us you know and um the, the resignation was i mean things are i mean this is very surprising this moment we are living and i think if anything this moment is going to change more than anything we've ever seen we are going to emerge from this a different people, a, a different society in this country and all around the world. Hopefully we emerge better and stronger. And But uh, th- this is the ultimate stress. I mean, if anything, I always uh, I was starting a reflection as we got into Holy Week. I didn't end up running it saying, you know, if, if we live Lent right, it's supposed to change us. But uh, oftentimes it doesn't. We just let the days go by. This experience has to change us but how how are we going to let it change us and and so uh, and this process coming up here and and elsewhere in the catholic world this reopening and accepting new realities at least for the time being is going to be the most complex uh risky and difficult 
but also the most defining, I think, process of Catholic life that any of us have ever witnessed. And I'm still just trying to absorb all of that um, because it's it's a lot to wrap your mind around, even if you've seen everything I've seen for the last 15 years. Now, I've, I'm a, I expect your traveling has cut down considerably, if not yeah. uh, cut so, zero. Home, <laughs> so ha, ha, has your whispers gotten less or less people whispering to you? How do you no. get your info? <laughs> no, I, well, there's just not much going on. I think we're all, again, we're all in suspended animation and I'm just trying to absorb and process everything. And, you know, especially because, you know, again, I know down in Kentucky and other parts in the interior of the country, you've got, you know, lockouts and everything are starting to lift again here in the East. That's not going to be the case for a while, but I think, you know, people are just so crazy from being inside for two months. There's a lot of anxiety around. People are in a very kind of delicate state right now. There, um, And, you know, I know most of the pastors, the bishops I know now, I mean, they're either stuck in Zoom meetings or they're just trying to keep close to their folks in a new way. You know, I just whether it's calling as many people as they can or doing drive-bys. And they're so immersed in that and just trying to do all the planning for what's coming ahead. So it, it is tougher to catch people right now, but at the same time, institutionally, we just don't have a lot going on. I mean, I thought to myself, going, I've had a crazy two years in my life. Two years ago, my father had a, a major stroke and was in hospital intensive care for six weeks. Uh, we came out of that, went right into the return of the sex abuse scandals with the uh, allegation against then Cardinal McCarrick, now laicized. And which just threw us back into the inferno of that. And so is, but only as last year was then, and then here in Philadelphia earlier this year, we had the transition of archbishops. My Arch, uh, Archbishop Shopsy retired, Archbishop Nelson Perez was named. And then, uh, so after that, I just thought, I'm going to have a nice, easy, quiet spring. And I can't, <laughs> and, and then so much for that, you know? And, and so it's just, it's just been like input overload. And, but also too, I think for, you know, I see a lot of people who want to look look at this, you know, as a moment for debating and the usual kind of, you know, back and forth chattering class stuff. I think if anything, you really this really has to be a, a moment of prayer and a moment of just absorbing what we're living, that, you know, we learn the lessons from it, that we don't forget it. And, um, you know, just that we get through as best as we can. Totally agree. Well, that was, uh, like you told me in, in our email exchange, you're just getting warmed up, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're at well, the again, the lockdown was the easy part. I'm convinced that we're going to have, um, it's going to be a lot of fits and starts. And, and, you know, even for all the precautions that are being put in the place to return to worship, much as they vary from diocese to diocese. You know, who knows if you have an outbreak of cases again until we have a vaccine or some sort of, you know, widespread treatment. The switch may just have to come down and we may just have to lock places down. And and when you look at the shape of the country, or at least the way I look at it, you know, we are 197 dioceses, 17,000 parishes, 7,500 Catholic schools. This is, you know, most people, when they think of the church, they think of their local parish. But the reality is so complex and, and there's some, I mean, just one massive concern for any church institution, especially if the distancing practices and, and everything else are not honored, uh, is 
liability. I mean, if somebody, God forbid, catches the virus at a church and it's found out that the distancing hasn't been honored or whatever uh, health protocols, you know, you could have a lawsuit, a wrongful death lawsuit that could bankrupt a diocese or a parish. And that, and I think, you know, there's a lot of fear about that, but there's it's just there's a lot of unknowns. And, you know, as if I didn't have enough gray hair. I think we're all going to have more <laughs> over the, these next week. But again, we're letting you guys test everything out first. <laughs> well, we'll let you know how it goes two Sundays from now. That's Please, we... <laughs> please. Yeah, well, I'll be praying for you in the meantime. I'll tell you, it's beautiful that we're starting, at least in a lot of the country, that this is beginning over as much as it would have, you know, it was surreal and for many of us very difficult to not have Easter and Trillium. That the fact that this is happening over Ascension and Pentecost, because those are the days of missions, the birthday of the church. Yes. There's, you know, there's a renewal that comes with that. And this moment for many of us has been, you know, folks have been feeling that sense of renewal, that sense of longing for the sacraments that maybe we haven't always had because we took it for granted. Um, and so it's a beautiful way. If there was a time for us to begin again, that would be it. And Providence is giving us that, you know, from the circumstances. So God is good. God's always good. Yes, sir. All the time. All the time. And God, all the is time good. God is good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rocco, um, I always have something love to ask you from the yes, political sir. point yes, of sir. view. Issues surrounding Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Okay. Um, well, it's interesting. Well, basically, what? Why is the clause held up? Or, um, yeah, why held up? What is the, the dilemma? And then, uh, the, it's a, well, first off, obviously, is as you know, as you all know, um, there was what I call the body wars, you know, a 10 year long battle for Sheen's remains. That, um, you know, the diocese of Puri opened the calls on the condition that they received the body, they were given that assurance by the now deceased Archbishop of New York, Cardinal Edward Egan. And then, of course, a Fulton Sheen disciple par excellence, you know, Tim Dolan becomes the Archbishop of New York in 2009. And, basically says to the Bishop of Peoria, you're getting Sheen back over my dead body. <laughs> then a 10-year court fight ensues, and the Supreme Court of New York State ruled in the favor of Sheen's niece, who had uh, consented to the bias release to Peoria, uh, Peoria, Illinois, where he grew up. Um, and and then the body is transferred to Peoria, literally under cover of night at 4.30 in the morning last summer. Now buried in the cathedral there, where he was ordained. He, now he never served in Peoria after he was ordained a priest. He was sent for the uh, the Agrégé, the top degree at uh, Leuven in Belgium, and then Catholic University, and then you know just took off like a rocket ship and spent his last years of his life in New York. That's important to note. But anyway, um, then the cause was given clearance to proceed. A miracle had come up. And out of nowhere, um, a halt was called after the beatification ceremony had been decided. Um, telling, saying this is background for anyone watching who isn't up to speed. Uh, and then um, the Vatican halted it because the bishops of New York State, led by Cardinal Dolan, presumably, raised concerns over um, potential mishandling of cases by Sheen. Now, it's an important part of this. New York is that all the dioceses of New York State, eight of them, are under currently under investigation by the state attorney general and their local prosecutors on historic cases of abuse because partially because New York is uh, also has a, a one year what's called a suspension of the statute of limitations, a window law, which enables people to sue for abuse regardless of when their abuse took place. So 
theoretically, someone could come forward with an allegation from Sheen's tenure that, God forbid, but, you know, if the cover-up was what we now call cover-up, then just transferring the priest to another assignment was standard practice in that time. So you don't want to beatify someone and have, you know, and then a case comes up from his tenure as Bishop of Rochester, which would have been 1966 to 69. Um, I was... After that came up initially, groups of American bishops who were in Rome for what's called their Alimina visit, the report to the Vatican they make once mm -hmm. every seven years, said that they were told over there that the cause is dead, at least for the time being, that there is not going to be a beatification at any point uh, because to, to ensure that any issues surrounding Sheen's handling of cases are solved. Now, the Diocese of Peoria is saying that it's been solved uh, it, that was solved in the research for the cause. But again, there may be a case where, you know, a victim, an alleged victim hasn't come forward yet. Interestingly, this week, the Pope named a new what's called a coadjutor, the understudy to the Bishop of Peoria, who will be the next bishop. Because concerns allegedly along the way were also raised by Cardinal Blaise Supich, the Archbishop of Chicago, and, and this priest is a favorite of Cardinal Supich, who's coming in as the next Bishop of Peoria. How that plays into the future of the cause will be very interesting to see. But as of this point, uh, I think it was December 5th, I was able to report that the cause was basically on a permanent hold, at least for the foreseeable future. And uh, the Vatican de declined uh, responding to that, uh, which, um, you know, they didn't deny it. And that reporting holds. So that's where we're at. Why does Supich have a, a voice in this? What's What's his well, angle? Well, as a metropolitan of Illinois, he does have a supervisory role over the bishops of, of the province. And, um, you know, he's uh, he was named to Chicago at 68, as you know, retirement age is 75. So he's kind of making up for lost time in terms of throwing his weight around. Um, <laughs> but, but also, too, I mean, again, it would be an absolute disaster for the church in this country if the Sheen beatification proceeded and then someone came forward with the case with the allegation from those years. I mean, again, Sheen being Bishop of Rochester, 1966 to 69, you could have someone who's not even 70 years old who, again, God forbid, but just in terms of hypothetical, could have been abused in that period and an abuser was covered for, and we don't even know it. So I think they at least want to have the period of the window pass, which is now going to run till next January in New York State. And, and they want the investigation of the state attorney general to conclude because all of the personnel files, all of the archives of the dioceses have been opened for that investigation. So if there's a clean bill of health uh, in terms of uh, criminal law and in terms of civil law, uh, I, you know, it would theoretically then have the clearance to proceed. But again, in this church, nothing moves linear. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if you realize that, it'll save you a lot of headaches. So it actually is a good thing. Instead of worry between the battle between New York and Prioria over the body. Well, well, you have. Well, now it's again. You have to. You have to be responsible with this stuff. I mean, even in terms of the legacy of John Paul, there have been questions about. You know, did he know, or what kind of conduct action was taken in terms of the now laicized McCarrick? That report is pending for release from the Vatican, with archives that no one outside the Vatican has been able to see. Um, even the case of Father Maciel. So, you know, if you put that cloud over a saint, then the then the integrity of every other canonized or beatified person is compromised. Right. And that would be uh, a, the nightmare of nightmares for the church, because holiness is supposed to unite people and not be a matter of controversy. I, th I think the bad thing about the whole thing was, is 
it, it has the appearance that Dolan did what he did because of the body wars, but really they're they're unrelated. Uh, well, the, yeah, they're un- well. Again, they're, you're always, especially in this environment, it's something I try and be especially careful about because you know there's a great saying: a lie can make its way around the world before the truth gets its pants on. And uh, you know, especially in in the age of just hypermedia, you know, I mean, you know, media posting, Facebook, Twitter, and sometimes people don't think things through um, or present things as more credible than they are. You really have to be careful about slipping into innuendos or conspiracy theories, especially because these days, you know, people just have no filter. And oftentimes people are given a credibility they don't deserve or content is given a credibility it doesn't deserve. So again, that you know, people have their conspiracy theories, you know, because again, when, when you're a court or archbishop in New York, you know, it's um, on a good day, you make 80% of the people happy. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> so you add that 20% up over every day over 10, 12 years. Um, and uh, it's so you're always going to have people who impute motives and everything. But I'm I'm not one for that. I mean, I've I've known and covered Cardinal Dolan, Tim Dolan, since he was rector of the North American College in Rome in the late 1990s. Um, one of the more fascinating people I've ever covered, but you know, Dolan, if anything, I think would love to see Bolton Sheen be FI more than anyone because Dolan was the media priest well before he even went to Rome. He came the first time I ever saw Dolan was he was EWTN's commentator in 1993 for World Youth Day in Denver. It's amazing, it's almost 30 years now. He still had no hair at the time, uh, <laughs> barely 40 years old. So, um, but you know, I mean, he modeled himself as you know the kind of the american priest the way fulton sheen did for his time but again you gotta just make sure especially in this environment that all the boxes are checked and that you know because again if you show the beatification and canonization process to be some sort of whitewash as opposed to a thorough investigation i mean the, the term devil's advocate comes from the canonization process as the person who would argue against a miracle being a miracle so um you know but that's that check has always been there in terms of the miracle to say that this is something we can genuinely stand by as a church and we're not just rushing people through on false pretenses mm-hmm. just a lot of people a yeah, lot of people yeah upset. I've, got, I've got like five minutes guys because i've got dinner upstairs and it's getting cold so <laughs> forgive me no, no worries i uh, know if you got one well, here one last question if you got it yeah well, if we maybe we can have you on another time, and before we have you on, maybe we can send you a Cincinnati red shirt to wear besides the one you have on. No, no, <laughs> you, you will never see me in a red shirt. Here, wait, I, I, here, hold on a second. I, I don't have a red shirt, but I do have a, a red hat right here. <laughs> Genuine article. People always ask me where the last red hat in Philadelphia is. Or where Philly's red hat is, and I say it's on my desk because, you know, for the first time in 100 years, we don't have a cardinal here. That was actually one of my mentor's red hats, Cardinal Bevilacqua, who was my bishop growing up. Um, so I keep it there as a tribute to him. But, um, you know, yeah, you won't see. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be, I mean, this is going to be fascinating uh, coming up, though, with, uh, I mean, we're, you know, all the, the two leagues are going to be playing in their respective divisions. Right. Crossing yeah. lines and everything like that. I mean, I'm just... I'm just excited to see a game. I mean, I know you guys, as you know, I know Kentucky folks are basketball fans, you're super fans like we are in my house. But I mean, basketball is just going to be the toughest. 
So because we, you know you're sweating on each other. Exactly. You're in everybody's face. I mean, I I know NASCAR is back this weekend. I think golf is coming. You know, and they cancel Wimbledon. I'm a tennis guy, so it's. Uh, well, we did know. have a question from a from a, a, a listener that asked this question: Is Mike okay. Schmidt your favorite Philly? And see, I gotta say no because I really didn't grow up. I saw Schmidt when I was real, really young. But you know, I gotta say because you know, I mean, my you have to remember, I was the jinx for 25 years. We didn't have a professional sports championship in Philly from the year I was born until I was 25, 2008. <laughs> and the whole, uh, there's a story I, I always. Uh, next time I come on, I'll tell you the story about why Philly didn't, we had a jinx going on. I actually wasn't the jinx. It was something else involving the church, but that, um, but I mean that 2018, you know, within six months. Said, well, we'll, we'll try to catch it on YouTube or something. Maybe you can hear it on YouTube. And... Yeah. So I don't know what happened there. We were hearing him fine, but y'all were getting an echo. Yeah. Is that what you were hearing too, Steve? Did you get any feedback at all? Oh. Um, well, if you're still listening, if you're still watching, we had a little power glitch here. Not sure what happened. Yeah, our lights flickered for our, a minute. Uh, there was the curse of uh, um, the curse of Cardome. <laughs> there. We're back. How's that? All right. Wow. We had a power glitch. We're back. Hopefully the listeners can hear us. Please let Dallas know if you can hear us. Uh, we'll get that straightened out. We may have to, maybe that was a function of we need to use Zoom because Zoom is so popular now. We can bring Zoom in. We can put him in and it all be good. What do y'all think about that? Maybe that's what we should do. Um, So here's what I'll do. I'm actually recording this audio. If the audio doesn't come through on the video, I'll edit the audio on top of the video with the audio out of the box, and we'll get it out because I think it's a good interview. Um, You know, he's an interesting – Rocco's an interesting guy, and uh, I'm excited that he he joined us. Um, And it sounds like he's agreed to join us again. Yes, he is. Sounded like it. So let's go back to uh, current events. Dallas, you got any other current events? No, I thought we would just be talking about the mass for quite a bit. So uh, I do not have a current event. Father Lynn, you got any other current events? What more current event you need? (laughs) Disappointed that uh, Fulton Sheen's not going to be beatified in my life. Yeah, he he basically said it ain't going to happen. Yeah, he had a post up earlier this week that that basically said the same thing. And, you know, I— I, I'm, it's good to get his take on it because I always, when it all happened, the timing of it made me think that it was Dolan, who I like as a, as an archbishop. And for all you haters out there that don't like Dolan, don't send me any email. Okay, uh, I like him. I think he's a good personality, and I think he's been overall he's been good for the church. But it appeared that the timing of everything was that he it was retribution for the body being taken out of New York. This is what it appeared to be. But I can see, based on Rocco's explanation, that it really was you you really don't want there to be this cloud over top of his beatification. And and if he's truly a saint, then that'll happen. Yeah. You know, you can't the it's not gonna the courts are not gonna stop the Holy Spirit. 
No, Rome very cautious now. You know, with under Pope Francis, you know, he 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 really want to make sure all this clean up, and so that definitely is one of them. I mean, I even hear things about uh, Pope John Paul II from people. I post it on social media all the time. You know, here here's a guy that that a saint in our lifetime, but there's some reservations about them from some some fallen away Catholics and some other folks. Have you heard that? Nope, you haven't heard that. Have no. you heard it? Uh, just because he was was pope during the time of a lot of the, mm-hmm. the scandal. So, all right, let's talk about saint of the day, y'all. Who's got the saint of the day? You Dallas. Do. I don't got the saint. You don't have the saint of the day. <laughs> we, you know, I wonder if Tom <laughs> Fister likes this guy, Saint Isidore the farmer. Oh, yeah. Isidore is the patron saint of farmers in rural communities. In particular, he's the patron of Madrid, Spain, and of the United States National Rural Life Conference. When he was barely old enough to wield a hoe, Isidore entered the service of John de Vergas, a wealthy landowner from Madrid, and worked faithfully on his estate outside the city for the rest of his life. He married a young woman, simple and upright as himself, who also became a saint. So a married couple who's a saint. Her name was Saint Marie de la Cabeza. Cabeza. Then they had one son who died as a child. Isidore had deep religious instincts. He rose early in the morning to go to church and spent many a holiday devoutly visiting the churches of Madrid and surrounding areas. All day long, as he walked behind the plow, he communed with God. His devotion, one might say, became a problem for his fellow workers sometimes complained that he often showed up late because of lingering in church too long. He was known for his love of the poor, like so many saints, and there are accounts of Isidore supplying them miraculously with food. He had a great concern for the proper treatment of animals as well. He died in May. He died on May fifteenth, eleven thirty, and was declared a saint in sixteen twenty two. There's proof that the Holy Spirit takes time sometimes, right? Five hundred years later, with he was canonized with Saint Ignatius of Loyola, Saint Francis Xavier, Saint Teresa of Avila, and Saint Philip Neri. Gee, that's a pretty good group, isn't it? <laughs> Be in a good company. Good company. Together, the group is known in Spain as the Five. Saints. Wow. <laughs> the fabulous five. I tell you, you can't have too many more uh, big saint names in there. I mean, that's that's a, that's impressive. <laughs> so, hey, folks, we re- realized we had some te- technical difficulties with that interview. We'll get that cleaned up. Uh, Father, you want to talk to us about who's going to join us next week? Yeah, we've been excited. Actually, um, was able to invite Dr. Uh, Todd Reinhardt, going to join us next week. And, of course, he's a member of community. He's a medical doctor with a family practice here in Georgetown. Um, you know, personal for him, love Todd. He, he's just not any medical doctor. He lives his faith uh, strongly. Um, he spent many times in his practice, you know, counseling people. You know, work, just solid, solid faith witness. And he have a lot of tremendous stories, so it'd be great for him to be with us and a lot of good question for him, yes. So we're we're excited about that. How about you? You excited about that? I'm excited. I love Dr. Reinhardt. I mean, you know, he's, he's and he's in the medical field at this time of the time in this pandemic. I'm sure he'll have some insight on that and insight about how, you know, how he uses his faith in his work. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, also, if you gain questions, uh, 
let us know those and watch for the the updated video. It'll I'll put it up on Facebook too. I'll probably take if the Facebook quality one is bad, I will take it down and uh, put another one up. So we'll, that might take us a couple of days to get that uh, taken care of. So apologize for that. As but as always, make sure you hit the like button when it goes back up. And if you're listening later on on YouTube or Spotify or other podcast sites, please subscribe and tell your friends about us. Deacon Dallas, you get the blessing tonight. Thank you very much. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly amen. Father, we thank you for this blessed Friday. And as we, go, as we all uh, look forward to receiving you in the Eucharist, help us to all have patience as we go closer to your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask you to bless everyone out there listening. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I forgot, though, one thing. What? Jason Barry wants the fishing report. Oh, I didn't go, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was asked to go, but I canceled on my, my friend from Louisville. So I got no fishing report. Sorry. No fishing report. Well, Jason, sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it next week, maybe? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, I'm Deacon Tim. I'm Deacon Dallas. I'm Father Lynn. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. My heart starts racing, but I don't know if I like this chasing and playing and waiting around. It's a shame that my hands start.